G'day listeners and welcome back to another very special episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast where we talk all things training, nutrition and psychology to optimize your performance. Today I'm joined by another very special guest. Uh, we actually connected through some colleagues that we had mutually shared uh, over in America um, and we managed to get in touch thankfully from one of our good friends Ali Gilbert. I'm joined by a men's TRT health specialist and a head health coach for Primal Zone. My man, Dave Lee, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing on a Monday afternoon? I'm doing well, bro, because it's Monday morning where I'm at. So it's uh, I'm, I'm doing very well, bro. It's uh, Had a couple of busy weeks uh, in the States, speaking at a couple of events and, and just getting settled, settled back in, which is uh, always fun. But yeah, it's good to be home and, and good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate it. We've uh, we've had a, we had a chat not too long ago off air where we uh, definitely dove into some things. And as, as, as I was kind of like, you know, I don't like to script things when I when I have these conversations, but I do like to kind of you know see where the conversation might go and what we can kind of dive into because everyone always has that has their niche in their fields. But um, you know, once we sort of got rambling and straight away, I was like, this is going to be a conversation that that gets some people either thinking or very very quickly upset. And either way, I'm all for both of those things. Um, but uh, yeah, quick quick wrap up, mate. You um you've just presented at the Olympia University, which congratulations on that. Between you know, I know speaking to Ali and myself, that's something that I would love to be able to do one day. And I know Ali was excited about it. So kudos to you for, I mean, I wouldn't even say Olympia is your sort of standard crowd, right? Like that's probably something a little bit different to what you're normally speaking to. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so because I came more from a mental health background than a physical fitness background. I mm-hmm. think a lot of the guys in the TRT space transitioned into this from bodybuilding and sports and performance, but... I transitioned into this space out of uh, dropping out of psychiatry because I realized Mm -hmm. that hormones were the main thing driving, I guess, not driving mental health, underpinning mental health. And I'm sure we'll go into that. But yeah, the Olympia was was different for me. I was definitely the smallest guy at the Olympia, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, And yeah, no, it it was fascinating. It was really cool because there was a a collective of people called uh, Dominate Your Game and as well as Balance My Hormones from the UK. And they put together like a... I guess like a, a side event at the Olympia, which was basically educating around PED use, anabolic use, harm yes, reduction, doing mm-hmm. things properly, recognizing that people are going to do what they're going to do, but then also guiding them to do it right. So I had the, uh, the, the blessing to be able to speak on my main area of interest, which is all the hormones around TRT, which are like mm-hmm. neurosteroids, thyroid, things like fertility, et cetera. And it was fantastic. Got to run a, a similar webinar for Marik Health. And that that whole presentation is actually going to go on YouTube probably by the time this podcast goes out so people will be able to watch it. Fantastic. And um, yeah, it, it, was, it was fantastic to be able to get that content out there and, and have people actually take time out of their day to sit down and listen to me give a yeah. university style lecture on a bunch of hormones, which I think is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely the positive that I think this area of sports, um, let, alone, let alone bodybuilding in and of itself, is needed it's definitely an area that needs to come up i guess in the in the mainstream and the understanding the comprehension is it it's not just a matter of like here's five different esters at five grams total per week just take it and shut up it's like actually understanding what these things do as different esters different compounds different stack designs you know these things start to play a toll they play a role they they impact you they have their trade-offs of toxicity and you know yes androgenic like benefits but there's a lot that you're weighing up when you decide to do this and i think it's about time that the industry itself starts to get to that acceptability of 
responsibility and education. So having that at the Olympia, I think is fucking huge. Absolutely, because people are fucking dying. So it's it's a good <laughs> thing that people are starting to take a look at this and going, oh, fuck, I don't want to die. And actually starting to look at their health proactively. Like one thing that I spoke about at Silverback, I use the analogy of cars. And I don't know shit about cars. So, you know, people, if, if people want to cry about it, they can correct me in the comments. I'm not going to read them. Um, but <laughs> the, thing with, the thing we all know about, it's funny, like the reason in terms of going back to pissing people off, the reason why I'm wearing this jacket is I did like a, a video a while back and I was, I was, I had just driven like six or seven hours and I was running late and I was still wearing my jacket and I jumped on and everyone's like, why the fuck is this guy wearing a leather jacket in his video? Who does he think he is? So I hope they're watching the video because now I just wear it ever since. Um, <laughs> so in terms of like the, the Olympia stuff and, and the stuff around harm reduction with bodybuilding, I think that it's a, it's an inevitable conversation to have with what's happening in men's health, but also the rise of social media is that people are now realizing that, yeah, if you pump yourself full of a whole bunch of drugs in insanely high doses, and then you also like dirty bulk or, you know, follow like a filthy, if it fits your macros approach to nutrition, don't do any cardio and do that, you know, over a long enough trajectory. Yeah, it'll it'll catch up with you and then you'll fuck around and find out. And I think that it's very sad that this is what's happened. And it, it's very sad for the people who have died from this. I think it's absolutely heartbreaking. But I think it can also serve as a lesson for the upcoming generation, particularly the younger guys mm -hmm. who are looking to get into this going, okay, this this may be something that could take not just years, but decades of my life. But if yes. I am going to do it, there is definitely, I wouldn't say that there is a way that you can have your cake and eat it too. I mean, there's, there's always going to be risk and there's always going to be harm. And, you know, I met Vigorous Steve at the Olympia and I think he's a good person for champion championing the, the risks of this stuff mm -hmm. in terms of really understanding the importance of doing not just blood work, but organ imaging as well. It's something I'm huge on. And I think it's great that people are starting to look at this proactively. And I think, you know, going back to the car analogy is that it's the, the best thing that we can do with our cars, as far as I'm aware, is to get them serviced regularly every time that check engine light comes on so that you're not mm -hmm. driving your car around with a truck because that's how you get a bigger bill, right? That's how you destroy the car is driving a exactly. car and you need to serve it. And not waiting until the wheels fly off to go to the mechanic is yes. the most important thing. I think the same thing should be said with both physical health and mental health. Yeah, completely agree. Obviously, you know, given my background and what I've studied, am studying currently, um, it bewilders me when those things are almost like either taboo to talk about or like it's this abstract thought that, well, I'm doing all this stuff physically in the gym, but um, I'll wait until I'm ready to, you know, borderline like self-delete before I go and speak to someone about it or, you know, wait till my entire life has collapsed because all I did was focus on this one narrow aspect and the rest of my life's gone to shit. Oh, now it's okay. Then I might go address it. Or now my blood panels are completely destroyed. Oh, I might go and try and improve my calcium scores or my, my cholesterol levels. And it's like, well, you know, these are the things that we should probably have dressed 12 months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago before you got here. And now it's like, well, you're here and it's a bit too late. Sure, we can offset some things, but, you know, these are the things that we should have looked at. I mean, you look at any other sport or or, or uh, like health-based hobby, the, you know, you look at rugby league, especially in Australia, you look at NFL, the sporting interests that they have in terms of like self-care, preservation, health, longevity, they know that they're at the risk with these uh, collisions and concussions and, and and damage, but they put everything in place to protect the athletes as much as possible and, and take care of them. When it comes to like this side of the game, it's like, oh, you're off your own. See you later. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's the same with entrepreneurship as well. I mean, I think that it's the, the same thing goes with bodybuilding and people who are running businesses. It's like, if you want to perform or if you want to look like a professional athlete or a high level professional in your field, you need to look after yourself like a professional right. athlete. And that's what these people are missing is that, and it's not that you can't perform at a higher level. It's that, you know, Paul Check talks about working out and working in. And he says mm -hmm. that you should spend equal time working into working out, which is like basically proactive recovery. And that can be anything from steady state cardio, mobility, stretching, mindfulness, fucking massage, you know, whatever floats your boat. Mm -hmm. But it's understanding that there has to be investing time in, in looking after yourself to actually be able to perform at the level that you want to look at. And I think that that can be extrapolated out to a lot of different areas of physical and mental health. But the most important thing, you know, going back to what you were saying is that I think that bodybuilding is firstly, it's one of the only sports that people think and I'm not into bodybuilding either. So, I mean, I can say this from the outside looking in, I think it's interesting that it's one of the only sports that a lot of people will get into without having a coach, like it, it, every other sport, oh, every yeah. other discipline, like yeah. coach, whereas like people, the yeah. amount of guys who I meet just injure themselves and wreck themselves in the gym because yeah. they have never had a, they've never had a personal training session that blows my mm -hmm. mind. Like one of the most valuable things I did in my recreational lifting spout whatever you want to call it i just like going to the gym and lifting weights is that i found the best personal trainer in the city that i knew and i said hey can you help me like workshop my big lifts so i don't hurt myself because i think i yeah. got up to like maybe like 100 on the bench like 120 on squat like 140 on deadlift or something and i was yeah. like i'd had i'd had people guide me before but i was like can we do like eight to ten sessions where you just like correct my form and workshop these lifts and get it right so that i can yeah. you know future proof myself for not injuring myself and i i don't understand why more people don't do stuff like that and i don't like well, i do understand it's because going back to the fucking around and finding out thing i mean you don't have a problem until you do yeah and that's why i think the podcasts like these are great and i'm very grateful for the opportunity to have this discussion and for people's attention because this is the stuff that people should be listening to and going, ah, okay, these people have seen a bunch of stuff down the line in terms of their own experience, but also what happens working with clients. Like I've got thousands of guys I've worked with over the last few years. And this is one of the reoccurring themes is that like, if, if you put preventative measures in place, both with your health and your training and just looking after yourself in general, you can avoid a whole bunch of the pitfalls that we fell down and that everyone else fell Correct. down. And I think that they're all things that are going to be a net benefit for you overall anyway. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic area to delve into. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's something that I've always endeavored or envisioned that a lot of this stuff be given away for free because they're the, exactly as you described, those problems need to be addressed from our experiences and anecdote, as well as the education. Like I know how many men don't have the time or interest to sit down and read through the data and research and studies and go do psychiatry, psychology, exercise science, but you have access to conversations like this that are just free. They, the lure on YouTube and, and Spotify's and, and podcast streaming services, like just go listen. You don't have to give us anything. It's just that from us, you get to prevent the injuries and mistakes we've made or not go down the route that other people have made with those mistakes. Um, but to kind of come back as well is, um, you know, as we sort of said in the introduction, a good friend between both of us is Ali Gilbert. Um, how'd you go with Silverback and, and obviously being a part of that? And, you know, I know uh, Primal was a big, was Primal a sponsor for Silverback or are they sponsoring the Australian one? They sponsored me going to Silverback, yeah. That's right, yeah, cool, cool. Um, and yeah, how was that? How was that? Because I know Ali, like me and her were back and forward a hundred times on how pumped she was for it and nervous and busy. And so I'm very glad to see it went well, but obviously a big chance for you as well over in America to talk and educate. I, I Calling Ali Gilbert a good friend is a stretch. I tolerate her existence. Uh, no, Ali is fantastic. 
<laughs> Ali is fantastic. I, I I made a joke at her expense during the the Marek webinar I did when I was at her house, and people thought I was like being serious about um, tolerating her. No, Ali is one of my favorite people in the world, and it was it was she she uh, we had an amazing time because there was a handful of us who spoke at the Olympia, and then we all went to Silverback together. So we had like a group house in Florida that we all stayed out and got to hang I saw out. That. And, and yeah, it was it was it was a heap of fun. It was. Um, and then when we went to Florida, you know, she had us at her house for a couple of days and, you know, we awesome. all traveled together. So I, I was in a band for like um, oh, seven, eight years when I was younger. And it, it was like, it was like being on tour again. It was like, you get yeah, this like yeah. pack mentality, a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, she, she looked after us phenomenally well. She hosted us amazingly well. And, and she put together this, this event, the Silverback Summit, which was like her, her brainchild. And I've been working with her for Oh, I, we actually can't remember. I think it's a couple of years, but we, we've been working together for a long time now. And she came to me with this concept uh, before the first one. This was the third Silverback event that we did. The, the, there was a, a first one, then there was an online one. And she was, I wouldn't say she was nervous, but she was uncertain of whether the event would work. You know, it was a new concept. Mm -hmm. And, you know, myself and a bunch of other people, you know, myself with a background in marketing, I was like, yeah, you will nail this. This will be, this will yeah, be awesome. Yeah. And seeing the evolution of that in terms of where it came from, in terms of I've got this crazy idea of making a men's health event that is fun and lighthearted and has a whole bunch of personality and is not a boring medical conference, but also has some of the best speakers in the world delivering yes. speakers, everything from the science-based nitty-gritty doctor roundtables to you know speaking about mental health, running businesses, and kind of everything mm -hmm. in between. And the thing that she nailed with that, not to blow too much smoke up her ass, don't want her head getting too big, but she, um, <laughs> <Fuck> you, <Ali. laughs> she, she, yeah, fuck that, fuck that. Uh, no, she, she made it. She, she managed to make an event that was appealing to patients and practitioners, and that's something that yes. I always try to do with all my content is making it deep and diverse enough that that you know doctors and nurse practitioners and health coaches can learn from it, but also presented in a way using you know vocabulary and vernacular that actually appeals to the layperson in terms of like yes here's the shit that you need to know in words that you can understand so that you don't yep. feel like a dumbass when I use big words to bamboozle you to make me sound smarter than I actually am. Yeah. So she did it it, it was it was a fun event. It yes. was a insightful event and you know, as we were saying kind of off air, like that was the Olympia and, you know, the, the first speech I gave live for people in health coaching uh, since university, you know, the first time I've spoken in front of people was the Olympia, which was cool. Um, yeah, it's it was awesome. a bit of a, a whirlwind. And it, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And one of my favorite, there, there was a lot of highlights in terms of the concepts of it. But one of my favorite things was seeing how many patients and enthusiasts were there. And yeah. these were people who had flown in or they'd taken, you know, flown in and or taken, you know, a few days out of their time to come and participate in a medical conference to become better versions of themselves. And I think that that is a fantastic reflection of where a subset of the population is at, emphasis on subset, yeah. is <laughs> wanting, to, wa wanting to gain a better understanding of not just being like, okay, I, I realize I need to work on self-development, but being like, okay, how do I actually stick the landing with this? What do I yes. actually do to execute this? And to be able to have a, a conference, which was all the, the best minds. And then, you know, me, just some dumbass health coach from Australia, just jumping in as well, but all, all, all the best minds plus me in the world on, on this, uh, on this topic was phenomenal because the amount of knowledge across a huge broad range of areas that was shared was unreal. And, 
yeah, it was it was amazing to be able to just be there. Like the, the energy there was was absolutely unreal. It was awesome. Yeah, that's unreal. That, I mean, you can't really give much more of a prop to, especially summits. Like one thing I noticed in Australia is, hey, we don't have enough summits and those those sort of events where, especially in the fitness, health, coaching, body composition, performance realm, like it just doesn't exist as much. And having been to the ones that we've been to in America now and seeing the ones we have seen, the ones that are fun and like, as you said, like you've spoken it to the layperson, you've made it in a comprehensive way where it's like, one of the things I hate is doctors talking to other doctors and trying to outdick each other about who's a better doctor in terms of their vocabulary and their language. When you're actually communicating to the people to solve their problems, it's like, holy fuck, mind blown. Give this guy all the money and time and like my vote and fucking, you know, basically praise him forever because you've actually explained it to them in a way where it's like, oh, this is the problem. This is the solution. This guy just gave it to me in a simple way I can walk away with right now. Those ones are the ones that I find so much more rewarding to be a part of or be at. Absolutely. And like, I don't know shit about working with women. I only work with dudes. I don't understand women, period. But what I understand about dudes is that we need to logically understand the why. So mm -hmm. yes. I think that that's the most important thing that a lot of people skip out on. And, and I also see you know, doctors and health coaches whinging about patient compliance is that if you tell a guy to do something, he's not going to do it just because you told him to, especially 100%. if he's been doing the opposite for X amount of years. And that's why he's, that's why he's fucked, right? Yeah. Is guys need to understand the why. So- and I, I think that that's the most important thing is if you don't, if, if you truly understand something, you can explain it to a five-year-old. Now I might not yeah. literally be able to explain HRT to a, a, a five-year-old, but it's important to be able to break things down into words that people can understand, but also teach them the why in a way that they can understand as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, the ultimate driving force for men in terms of like, well, why are you actually at this event? Why are you listening to this? I mean, that, that's the thing I love about podcasts and YouTube and all this kind of stuff is to like, you know, with Netflix, fucking Disney Plus, YouTube, everything else. I mean, people can, Spotify, you can listen to anything that you Correct. want at any time of the day. And the fact that people are choosing to listen to this kind of stuff in terms of working on self-development, I think that that's a fantastic step in the right direction. So you've already kind of got this opt-in in terms of like, okay, I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm here to improve myself. But I think guys need one step further. They need to go, okay, well, how is this actually going to work? What is this going to translate into? What's yeah. what's the ROI going to be? What's yeah. it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? But I also need to understand to a degree how this stuff works. And I think yes. that the average lay person is not going to be able to stand the, the, the complexities of the endocrine system and, and, and the neurosteroidal system and all these different things, but they can understand enough of it that it's going to stick and it's going to drive change. And I think that that's the most important thing for these guys and people who are presenting to understand is that we need to, we need a why, but we also need to kind of know a bit of the how. And yeah. I think that's very important. So at the Silverback Summit, the, I've done three lectures now, which I've called Your Brain on Testosterone and the War on Masculinity. I made a joke at this one that there didn't really need to be a third one. I just like things in threes, but it, it was it was just kind of an excuse to make it a trilogy. But anyway, the, the <laughs> first two are on YouTube. They're, they're all free. And, and this one, I'm going to find a way to get it on YouTube at some point. But the, the thing that I was really speaking to in, in this uh, this speech, which I think kind of wrapped up the first two together is helping guys understand their subjective experience of reality, helping guys understand what the human experience is, which is a complex interconnected series of systems like a car, but you're also alive and sentient at the same time. So yeah, I called my speech like cars, the movie. I think that's a great example of how the human body is, is that we're like a car, we're an in interconnected, like engineering based machine, but we are also sentient and conscious and experience emotions from the outside world 
but we're also experiencing ourselves being alive. And I think that when you break that down and then you break down the challenges of the modern world as well, and then you apply that to endocrinology, medicine, health, and fitness, mm-hmm. I think that can kind of create a lot of purpose and meaning yes. to what a lot of guys are trying to do with improving their physical and mental health. Yeah, that's a huge analogy. Like the, the very using cars, the movie, I think is a very um, real analogy to go with and for lack of better words, I guess, real being relative. Um, it's a very like, it's presented in almost like a meta meta philosophy concept, I guess, of like of internalization and 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 psycho awareness. Um, because it's true, it, it is true. Like everything, it's you know we start going back to the behaviorist versus the free wills versus the you know, early phases of psychology, where you know there's the determinist, there's the behaviorist, there's people saying like you know this is purely a behavioral based response. This is purely like you are a system of habituation and your behaviors. Then there's the guys coming out saying, actually, it's free will and you have the choice to do these things and you actually get to experience life and, you know, go through CBT and go through mindfulness and have these moments. And then it's like, you know, getting people to understand that almost meta thought process where you're actually alive inside yourself. You can experience your reality, but also make meaning of your reality, but also then determine your reality based on your actions in response to that. It becomes a very fucking powerful level of thought provocation when you can actually have that conversation and get men to understand like, oh, suddenly I'm not just meant to be that guy who who wakes up and goes to work at 5 a.m. and is home by 3, 8, 3 p.m. And, and simply just sits on the couch and watches the TV. I can go on my hero's journey. I can go on my 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 uh, comeuppance sort of moment. I can go on that hero's anticipation and, and develop myself because now I've had that thought about what it is to be alive and be me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think one thing that a lot of guys are trying to do, whether, whether they realize it or not, I break it down very simply, that we are trying to improve our subjective experience of being alive. I think that's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to make life, mm-hmm. but we're trying to experience a better quality of living. And one thing that I like to layer into that in terms of like, okay, well, how does neuroscience play into this? How does testosterone play into this? How, how do all these things work? And mm-hmm. one thing that I think is a very good example, I mean, you brought up free will. I, I I like having the conversation with people about, you know, is there such thing as free will? And I, I truly believe that a lot of people do not have free will because they don't have the ability to actually regulate their thoughts and emotions and actually mm-hmm. take action. So I'm a big believer that people have the capacity to develop free will. But that's the first thing that you need to do is to be able to stop being a leaf in the wind and make a fucking choice and execute it and stick to it. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing to be able to do. No. And not being able to do that doesn't mean that you're retarded. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that you need medication. But it probably needs it probably means that you need to develop a skill that you might not have developed or practiced in a long time. If if a child is, you know, whatever age that they learn to tie their shoes and they can't tie their shoes, we don't just assume that they have some kind of mental retardation and need medication. We just go, oh, you just haven't been taught enough, or maybe you need a few more lessons than Bob or Jill or whoever else. And that's okay. And I think adults are the same, but we're too quickly to label ourselves as defective, as broken. Yes. When in reality, we just need some support. We just need to do the work. So I like to look at purpose and meaning as very important things for how the brain works, because at the end of the day, we are you know, these machines which are driven by dopamine, we are governed by stress hormones, we are governed by a whole bunch of internal systems, and we're reacting to those things which are paving our experience of life. But when I look at what biohacking is, and I, I hate the term biohacking, but I also love the term biohacking, is if we can understand how our brain works, and we can understand how we can change what we do rather than just focusing on what we take, because that's a huge fuck up that a lot of people do, mm-hmm. is 
it can be as simple as learning to harness your thoughts and attention through something like mindfulness. And then with intention and with goals and with purpose and outcome, we can create meaning in the mundane to make it more dopaminergic. And, and the example I like to use is that like, I don't like cleaning my room. I don't like making my bed. I don't like picking the clothes up off the floor. I don't like doing any of that shit. Mm -hmm. But not being like when, when guys are like, oh, I, I can't keep my room clean. I, I can't do anything unless I enjoy doing it. It doesn't mean you have ADHD, dude. It just means you need to learn how to do the work that you don't want to do. Yes. And the example I use is that I remember the first time that my girlfriend came over to my bedroom. I cleaned that fucker to the nth degree. I am <laughs> I was completely capable of doing it. I just needed a motivator to make me yes. want to do something that I didn't want to do. And I think if you can develop the skill of determination and resilience in terms of and Andrew Tate says this, and he says it very well, is that life as as men is about learning how to do work that you don't want to do to, to get the reward, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, to get the reward that you want at the end of the day. And I think a lot of us have this deficit in not being able to do the work that we don't want to do, but it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It doesn't mean that we're incapable. It just means we need to learn how to do that. And I think if we can understand that applying meaning, number one, but also understanding that the baseline health of the body is critical for this, because if you're yeah. inflamed to shit and you're hypergonadal and you're putting shit quality food and nutrition into your body and you're not exercising, you're not moving, mm -hmm. then your baseline operating state is going to feel absolutely fucking awful. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't overcome that with willpower, but it means it's going to be way fucking harder to do that than if you're right. actually one, healthy, and two, had momentum in doing this. So I think what we need to start doing is, you know, just going on a big fucking tangent and then bringing it home is that one of the most important things that we can start doing is, is one, understanding that you can't have optimal mental health with suboptimal physical health. It is impossible. Yes. You can't be a Formula One driver in a piece of shit Suzuki Swift. You can't. It doesn't work. So that's number yeah, one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? And and that can be an expectation that I think a lot of people have difficulty with. And it's like, well, yeah, you can take antidepressants and trick your brain into thinking that you're doing better than you are because that's what they're doing. But you're going to know, one, they don't work because there's side effects, right? It's, just, it's not that simple. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think on a, a conscious level, you also know deep down that what you're doing isn't right. And the important yeah. thing that we need to understand is going, okay, how can I work with the body? How can I enable myself to get to the, the point that I need to go? And ultimately, how do I close the gap between where I am now and where I want to be? Yes. And I think the way that you do that, you know, if you're looking at a big cliff and you're like, okay, I want to get from here up to there, you create steps to be able to get yourself from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the simple process is reverse engineering going, okay, well, this is the optimal version of me. This is what he would do, what he would wear, how he would look, what his daily routines would be, what he'd eat, how his relationships would be, all that kind of stuff. And going, okay, well, what does that guy do day to day, to day that I'm not doing now? What habits yes. does this guy have that I can start to embody? And then how can I slowly build momentum? Because I think momentum is one of the most important things as well. It's like, we, and how can I start measuring how far I've come as opposed to how far away I am from my goal in terms of getting to where I want to be? And when you're on that path and when you're on that journey, I think that it can become addictive. And I think that it, it can also give you quite a quick reward in yes. terms of your experience of life. It gets better quickly. And if you can hold on to that and if you can measure that and if you can embody that and, and really focus on it. I think that that can propel you towards ultimately where you want to go, but it's also understanding that you are empowered and, and you have the ability to do that. You just need to take a swing at it and give it a go.
there's oh man there's so many things i agree with and want to unpack in that fucking point alone um yeah going back i think there's a there's a big issue there and the, one of the big things that you just you just kind of covered there is is well a the way you just described goal setting there and almost like uh what I call micro checkpointing. Um, you know, it's a very top-down process that I use with my clients in that I use emotional contrasting where, you know, if, if someone comes to me and says, I don't know where I want to go in the future, I don't know what my goals look like, like, cool, that's fantastic. What does it not want to be? What do you not want to be as a person? How do you not want to look, feel, think, you know, be as a human? If if there was to be like a five-year fail plan for you, what would that look like? Because if you don't know where you want to go, we can start with where you, uh, sorry, if we don't know where you want to go, we can start with where you don't want to go. So what does that look like? Oh, well, I don't want to be a bum. I don't want to be unemployed. I don't want to have no skills. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be X, Y, Z. Okay, so you do know where you want to go because you don't know where you want to go. You uh, Sorry, you don't know, you know where you don't want to go. But from that, you can then stop identifying with all the bullshit you've come up with because, you know, as you said, everyone starts coming up with these deficits and these deficiencies that they apparently have, which is like, you know, every, every Tom, Dick and Harry now has this narrative identity around ADHD, this mental disorder, this sexual identity disorder, this uh, fucking absence of physical capability, this back injury or this, and all these things. And I know between both of us, we're both walking examples of the fact that we've had spinal damage. We've had car accidents. We've had physical disabilities that by logic in this same premise should inhibit us from doing the things that we've done and currently do and are, projecting towards yet both of us are clear walking examples of the fact that that doctor's diagnosis does not represent my entire identity and allow me to be succumbed by that situation and experience so if we're if we're creating this narrative about who we are why don't we stop and this is something that i find you know i guess a really good tangent to that to that kind of men's health point is that society is so weakened in the West at the moment that everything is a justification and an identity with some sort of negative that is preventing you from progressing in life. It's giving you your victim card. It's giving you that fucking badge of honor that somehow is a badge of honor where we can restrain ourselves from striving. We can be stuck, stuck where we are. We can be anchored to the, the, the fixtures that we have and kind of use that as a justification for weakness and being just undriven, undisciplined, purposelessness, not having a motivation, not having a drive to do or achieve anything. And then we're going... Oh, I actually have all these limitations and these deficits and I have this mental disorder. And well, do you think if you stopped identifying with everything that you think is wrong with you, if you think you stopped creating a narrative around your weakness and actually started creating a narrative about someone who succeeded and went forward and moved and strived towards things, as you said, looked at that where you want to be and started living towards that versus, oh, that's too far away from me. My life is hard. I can't reach that. That's too much for me. I'm stuck down here. That's always going to be me. If you, if you use that cognitive reappraisal and flip that switch, well, suddenly there's a few less mental problems that you have because I have found in so many men, when you actually just start striving, the action, the the simple act of striving removes so many def deficits and depreciations that you just inevitably start progressing and getting better. And as you said, it becomes that addictive tendency where now I have the motivation, which is associated with dopamine, which is an anticipatory response. Now I have that accumulation of anticipation and, and excitement. I want to keep going. And now I want to keep going. I want to get better at it. And now all of a sudden that depression that I had and that ADHD that I apparently had and that lack of focus that I had and, you know, my wife was a piece of shit and my family this and that and my boss was a dick. Suddenly those things don't matter. And you've actually got a few more skills up your sleeves that are progressive and getting you towards that goal. I think that too many people, especially in Western culture, have too much time in their hands and too much lack of purpose where they're able to identify with so many problems that is the reason that they, you know, can't exist in success and they can't achieve what they want because they fucking identify with it. They spend all their time being identified with the narrative they create around their own bullshit. 
that it stops them actually striving because now they've just anchored to what they've created as this identity. It's what gives them their pleasure. It's what gets them the pity party. It's what gets them their, you know, the the fucking the DMs and the reactions because well, woe is me and everyone give me pity, and so it just reinforces this bullshit even further, right? And to me, like you kind of addressed there, there's so many ways around that by simply how about we start identifying who you want to be and work towards that. Yeah, bro. There's a lot there. So one of my one of my favorite quotes on this is from a from a song. Uh, it's by a guy called Andrew WK, and it's it's ironically titled uh, "Totally Stupid," but it's a it's a rhetorical question, which is, uh, w- would you give up everything you want to get everything? Sorry, would you give up everything you've got to get everything you want? And then, would you give up everything you want to give it to get everything you've got? I think that that's an important thing for people to look at because if I, I think society is programming you and it's programming us all in real time to want to spend money to fill the void inside. And a lot of the time, and, and again, my, my, my background's in marketing. So using fear is the most important marketing tactic to drive sales because fear shuts down your prefrontal cortex. It makes you more likely to make impulsive decisions. So if you understand that a lot of your insecurities and a lot of your wants and desires and needs are coming from a lack of gratitude for what you have, then I think that that's a really important thing for people to start looking at is going, okay, well, firstly, why do I think I'm such a piece of shit? Why do I think I need all these other Mm -hmm. external things to make me happy when I actually have a whole bunch of shit that I don't really think about how grateful I am for? Because you'll get the next thing and then you won't give a fuck about that and then you want the next thing Mm -hmm. after that. So that's number one. I think that's very important. But the other part that, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about and he has a, he had a really great quote. I went and saw him in, of all places, he spoke in Vilnius to an arena. Like I didn't like non-English speaking Baltic country. The dude fucking packed out an arena. There was no translator. That, and he still packed out an arena here because people wanted to hear what he had to say about self-development and self-improvement. I think that's amazing. That and fantastic. he said that, yeah. And, and he says that, you know, co- uh, competence breeds confidence. And I think that that's the most important thing. When we look at mm-hmm. all these disorders in terms of, and, and that's what's so important is that these are disorders. They're not diseases. These disorders are very real, but they're behavioral disorders. They're not yes. something that is broken from birth. You're not defective. You've just got a disordered pattern of behavior and, a lot of the time, what underpins these disorders can also underpin greatness if it's channeled properly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing is that every single person I've met who's been a high-functioning uh, business entrepreneur has been ADHD as fuck. They've just yeah. found something productive to put it into. And I think that a lot of people are anxious because they lack competence and they're genuinely afraid of the world and they fucking should be. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are depressed because they live depressing lives. That's That makes sense. But I also think that people do have the power to make these changes. But ultimately, I think firstly, it has to come from a place of self-love. But I also think that a lot of people don't love themselves for good reasons. They don't keep promises to themselves. They Mm -hmm. don't look after themselves properly. They throw caution to the wind and fuck their future self for the benefit of their current self. And then they say they're going to wake up the next morning and, you know, diet starts tomorrow. I'm going to get up at six and do cardio and you hit the snooze button. Yeah, I'd hate myself too. Like you can't can't trust anyone in this world and you can't even trust yourself. You're fucked. So I think that people can get themselves into a real difficult rut. And I think that the modern world encourages weakness and encourages subservience. It it doesn't encourage sovereignty and it doesn't encourage us as sentient beings to be able to override the bullshit of the world and make a change because the world does not want strong, healthy, independent thinkers it wants people who are compliant and will do the bare minimum to be able to pay the taxes 
and mm-hmm. you know keep society in order and be a good little boy and shut the fuck up don't question the powers that be and, and do what you're told and i think a whole bunch of people as a result of that are becoming depressed and i think that that's fair but i also think that a whole bunch of people are starting to you know wake up from the matrix without sounding too cliche and realizing and going hang on this whole system's bullshit this whole paradigm is a lie and it's making me and everyone around me sick and miserable and i want to do something about it but i don't know where to start and I think, you know, going back to what you said before about, you know, not knowing your purpose and not knowing where you want to head, you just don't want to be where you're at now. I think there's two important things to understand there. One is that you can't see the top of the mountain from the bottom. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know what's up there. It might be above the clouds, but you know that you need to start climbing up. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a point where you're at rock bottom and you're like, I don't know what I want to be at the end of the day. I, I don't know where. Okay, cool. That's fine. Your purpose is finding your purpose and finding your purpose is moving forward. And once you get far up enough the mountain, you might be able to see what's at the summit, but you know that you just need to keep moving forward and not regressing back. And I think that's the most important thing. So Mm -hmm. when in doubt, just put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Go, okay, I don't know where I'm heading. I don't know what I need to do, but I certainly know what I don't need to do. Like what you mentioned before, like a whole bunch of guys don't have positive role models in their life. I'm sure you've got a whole bunch of negative role models. Use that. Yep. That's super powerful. Yep. So I think that's a that's a really good point to look at. But I think the other point to look at that's important is that if you're in a place of discomfort now, whether it's your physical health or your mental health, if you do nothing, it's not going to stay the same. It's going to get yes. worse. So that that part is a massive wake-up call that people need to understand. And it's uncomf- it's uncomfortable, but it sucks because people need to realize that you're either you're not gonna stay where you are, you're gonna move forward, or if you do nothing, you're going to move back and it's going to get worse. So and if you let it get worse and you let yourself get further off track, it's going to be much harder to inevitably get back on track when you yeah. inevitably do hit that rock bottom where you actually have to drive a change. And this can all be really difficult, uncomfortable shit to hear, but that's all it is. It's uncomfortable. It's not really that painful. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah. It's going, oh, okay, I fucked up. I fucked up for a while. I didn't know better. But th- that's also okay. And it doesn't make you a victim. It doesn't give you entitlement to shit. But mm-hmm. what it does do is go, okay, I fucked up. I didn't know better. I was led astray. And now I need to get my shit sorted. And I think the most beneficial thing for guys at that point to understand is that it's like, yeah, a whole bunch of us have been there. And a whole bunch of us are climbing up that mountain at mm-hmm. different points. And there's guys who are on top of the summit who are yelling, you know, come up here, keep going, keep going. But it's understanding. It's like, okay, you're not alone. You're surrounded by a yeah. whole bunch of people going through the same shit and everyone's trying to work it out. And that's cool. But I think the first thing the guy should do in these situations is find yourself. I think there's two things that you need. I think one, you need a, you need a goal. And I don't think that people should mm-hmm. want to be like, you know, whoever their goal person is, whether it's someone like David Goggins, Jocko Willink, you know, whoever these people are. But I think it's being like, what's my equivalent of them? Like what traits yes. of all these people who I look up to, maybe pick pick five or six guys who you're like, okay, they're at the top of the top. And what yeah. traits do they have that I would want to embody to not necessarily become a carbon copy of them, but to be able to become the best version of myself following in their footsteps. I think that's cool. Yes. And I also think it's really important to have a positive male role model. And I am not selling my services here. I am booked out forever. So you need to find someone else. It's not going to be me, but you need to (laughs) talk to them. Um, But you need to find someone who you can actually have. Because I mean, these people, they're they're not going to reply to your message and that doesn't make them bad people. But you need someone who is going to reply to you. You need someone who can actually hold you accountable that you look up Mm -hmm. to and go, okay, 
you're, you know, you're, you're someone who I can work with, who is someone who I look up to, someone who embodies traits that I respect, which is important, or someone who's done work that I am yet to do, who is going to show me, but is also going to hold me to account and whose respect I am going to want to earn in a healthy way. And that's why I encourage guys to learn martial arts. Like one of the best mm -hmm. things that you can do is find, you know, set, set a high goal and then have someone, you know, that the best martial arts coach that you can get, I don't give a fuck what discipline you learn, get the one with the best coach where you live and have a guy teach you how to fight. That is one of the most beneficial things you can do because he is going to hold you accountable. He is going to be someone who, whose respect you're going to want to earn. And he is going to push you into a place of physical and psychological discomfort while keeping you safe so that you can develop more resiliency for the other, how many other hours there are in a week, you know, 24 times seven minus one. And that way you can actually apply those skills. You can apply those lessons to help you climb up the mountain. And I think that looking at it and going, you kind of like what I was speaking about before is going, okay, this all, all this esoteric crap sounds wonderful, but how do I logically actually execute doing this? Yeah. And I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, I completely like having, just having a, having a goal, but I think that like, as you kind of alluded to that, the, the first point really is starting at that position where you go, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that I've made mistakes. I'm accepting the fact that, that, you know, I'm in this position. I didn't put my best foot forward or I didn't pay attention in school or I didn't, you know, put my, create an, uh, uh, a situation for my future self based on my present self where I benefited or, or, I, or I flourished. But it's important to say also, I'm not doing the best I can. And I know that there is a part of me that actually knows I can be better. And I'm lying to myself by saying that I'm not because it's becoming like this whole empowerment and fucking you know acceptance era i think one of the big problems that people get wrong especially with bullshit mindset coaches is they they practice acceptance but they are absent of action and one of the key points of acceptance therapies is yes we're looking at acceptance of emotions experiences and life and reality the way it is we're not judging good or bad but towards that is generally an action-based response or a goal-orientated action-based response and it first starts with accepting that I am not good at what I'm doing. I am not being the best I can. I am not at my best self and it's my responsibility to action that. And then from there, being able to go, you know what? Now I have these goals. I, I want to pick a sport. I want to pick a hobby. I want to pick a discipline, a martial art. And I'm going to just throw myself at it, see if I like it. If I don't like it, as you said, like Peterson talked about, is, you know, pick, pick a direction. If you have gone nowhere, any direction is better than no direction, but you're moving forward. From that step forward, if you get 10 paces up, you're like, you know what? Wrong path. Cool. Deviate. Go to the next one. Now you're 10 paces further forward, but you know I'm not going any further here. I can deviate here and go another 10, and then I can reassess. But the idea is continually progressing forward on the acceptance that you are actually being shit. And it comes with that reality and being hit in the face with the fact that you have been a shit person or you know, not shit as in like you know, you're a piece of shit scumbag, but more so you have just lived a shit existence you know, pissing up the weekends, doing drugs, partying. We've all been a 20-year-old male. But at a certain point, you have to hit that reality and go, I can be better and I've been weak. And right now, you know, Ben is acting a fucking five out of 10. The Ben that I want to be is a 10 out of 10. And that's based on these traits and these people that I look up to. Well, what are they doing? Well, how do I get there? Well, I need to start actually actioning and talking about and embodying those people and acting in that, that manner. And from that, fuck me, the world opens up. If you just do those things at a bare minimum, the amount that your life changes, and you know, it's something I've I've had several conversations with. I'd be curious to hear your opinion on, but is 
people, I find when people get through, go through self-development and they go through those early stages, there's almost an evolution where you evolve past the initial groups that you engage in because if people aren't ready for you to evolve and, and develop yourself, they will keep you where you are and they will keep you, they will, they won't support you, especially like I find male groups uh, a lot like this. They will almost anchor you to who you used to be as you strive to try and be something better. So they need, there's, there's this point in time where you have to be able to evolve past those groups that are anchoring you and allow yourself to find new circles, new environments, new people where you can actually have big conversations, have real talks, have these conversations, talk about your goals, your ambitions, your dreams, and have people that will hold you accountable to a standard and go, okay, go fucking do it. We're not going to sit here and say, let's get pissed every weekend. We're going to say, hey, go do that thing, but you actually have to action it. And I find that, you know, men's groups, especially or men, uh, like men's circles, those early coming out of your twenties groups that you might have coming from high school, they're not really about that. And there are the guys that get stuck there. And that's where I start to find the, you know, sitting around the glass table every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, getting pissed, sinking beers, sinking nose beers. It's the same cliche every time when you, when you, when you teach, like when I take a male client and I ask what they're up to, what their weekends are like, when I assess their lifestyle before their training, PEDs or nutrition, things like that, when I assess their life, it's the same the same five, six things that are going on as every 20 to 24 year old it goes through. And I say to them, you know, like how many of your friends are also going to the gym? How many of your friends are also into nutritional awareness? How many are also going to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, waking up at five, six thirty in the morning and the circle of who's doing that is fucking small. So I'm like, cool. If you want to succeed in the thing that you're telling me you want, we have to move beyond this. And it's not to be a dick and say, Hey, fuck your friends, get rid of them. It's more so, you just simply won't succeed if this is where your circle lay. I don't know your opinions on that, but I found that to be very, very, very common amongst that group, that that age demographic of men. I'd say fuck your friends, get rid of them. Um, but maybe that's just my perspective. I mean, I I chose to come and live in the middle of nowhere. But um, look, I, I think that that's, that's completely true. I mean, you, you've got that cliche saying that like you're the product of your five closest friends. And I think that that's really important. And I think that, the kind of people that you would want to hang around with and rub shoulders with will not hang out with you if you're a degenerate loser. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a harsh reflection and, you know, people might not like my judgment and that's cool. You can go cry about it and don't talk to me about it. That's fine. But I really think that if you're, I used to say past the age of 30, but maybe I've become less forgiving. And now I'll say past the age of 25, but if you're a dude and you're past the age of 25 and you're still binge drinking every weekend, you are a loser. And that's something that you can change. That's something that you don't need to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And what you need to realize in terms of breaking it down is why are you going to events or spending time with people that you can't stand being around unless you're shit-faced, intoxicated, mm -hmm. yes. disassociated? From because the problem with binge drinking and party culture, aside from the liver toxicity, which I see all the time, one nothing fucks you up more than being mm -hmm. a weekend warrior until you're into your 30s. If you want to see what healthy people look like, they're people who are in their late 40s and early 50s who stopped that shit years ago. The mm -hmm. like, if, if you extrapolate that behavior out over decades, that's the thing that leads to chronic disease. But the oh, other yeah. thing that it does is it's the opportunity cost. It's it's what you're yep. missing from in terms of the self-development, the positive relationships, the introspection, all these other things. Because if you're working 40 hours a week, you don't actually have time to piss around on the weekend every weekend. Also, the money that you're spending, the people that you're spending time with, yep. 
all that kind of stuff is stuff that you should be you should be spending that time energy and resources on stuff to level yourself up because at the end of the day when you get to the point of you know being in your late 30s and 40s as a man and i mean i'm saying this as someone who just turned 31 mm-hmm. is it comes down to your capacity that that's the most important thing is what what are you actually capable of what kind of value can you provide because once mm-hmm. you get older and you stop hanging around with these losers is you'll realize that your value comes from like how much about like your value as an individual comes from how much value can you provide others that's yes. the role of man in society it always has been and it always yep. will be so if exchange. you're not Service exchange, yeah, and it's it's not using people. It's understanding that net, like when you get older, it becomes you become friends with people in your network, but it's your skills that qualify you to hang out with that network of people. Yes. So it's extremely important. Like, and one of the one of the coolest things that I found was that, like, I mean, because I, I spent a lot of time on my own, and when I was uh, hanging around with like Ali and and Luke Lehman and Charlie and um, these other people that we were spending time with, like the work ethic that these people have, I was like, oh, yeah. okay, these people are on my level. But these people were working even harder than me. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Like this is this is where other people are at. And it was extremely beneficial to be like, ah, okay, I'm I'm not the only one here who's basically living like this. But also understanding being like, cool, to be at this up echelon of where you want to be, there is a, a short-term sacrifice for long-term, long-term goal. And it can be it can be difficult to break out of um negative and destructive friendship groups but i think one and one thing that i mean i'm just quoting other people but um i was listening to a podcast this morning with alex hormozzi and he was talking about how like when you're on your come up in terms of like you know doing what you want to do in the world you will lose friends as a result and he was talking about business but it can be as personal development as well because you're reminding them of their failure to take action you are a human embodiment of a ugly reflection back on them of the opportunities that they wasted and the capacity that they wasted. And they're not, they'll root for you when you're the underdog, but then when you surpass them, because when you're the underdog, and this is what Hormozzi said, I'm just paraphrasing, is, you know, you're reminding them of, of, of their dreams and someone who's following in the dreams and being like, oh, cool, like good for them. But then when your dreams actually start to come true and you start making something of yourself, all of a sudden now they're like, oh, we, we'd actually rather drag you down. We liked you better back when you were yeah. like this. Because yeah, you're reminding changed. them of their failures. Yeah, you've changed. And it's like, yeah, I have changed. I've actually grown out of you guys. And, and and the most important thing that you can do as a man is be respected, not liked. Like that's the most important thing is that you yeah. earn and command respect. And that often does come from, you know, letting go of people who are weighing you down. And I've let go of a huge amount of people who weighed me down over my 20s. One, because they weren't there for me when I needed them when I was going through my, my brain injury stuff. But also in terms of now being like, well, I see the stuff that you do on the weekends. I see the stuff that you do in your spare time. I don't really respect that. And I don't really identify with that. So I don't really want anything to do with it. And it doesn't mean that people are bad people. It doesn't mean that they're unlikable people. It just means that you only have a finite amount of fucks that you can give in a single day. Mm-hmm. And you should focus on giving those fucks to people who are going to, one, be people that you respect, but also be people who are embodying traits you identify with and that- yeah reflects positively back on you. And I think that if you don't, and it, it happens all the time in business as well. If you don't have friends and people in your network that are celeb- like genuinely celebrating your wins, even yeah. when you surpass them, they're not your friend. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. They were people that were trying to benefit and leverage off you until you got past them. Um, yeah. you know, the, we, We've covered so much here in just the, I guess like the more of the philosophical mantra of masculinity and the absence of it in fucking what is blatant western 21st century culture my question then goes to 
where does testosterone play its role here? Why has it declined? Why is it that when we look at, you know, what was a man in the 40s who was willing at 15, 14, 16 to falsify data to be subscripted to, you know, the 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 American Defense Force, the American Army and Air Force Navy to be shipped off to the Pacific to fight in the fucking Pacific Theater against some of the most brutality and brutalizing humans that have ever existed. When we're looking at the invasion of Europe and people are going, you know what? I'm going to live in Leningrad, literally eat what was about the equivalent of 800 calories a day to fight off the German invader from confronting my homeland. These guys are being drafted, conscripted, pulled into the war. And some of them are literally, like even in Australia, Australians are doing it, getting drafted at, I think my my grandfather was 15 when he applied and the age was 16, so he lied. But we've got, you know, guys back then, literally less than two generations ago, are like, you know what? I am going to do what I need to do to defend this country and defend my life and defend my existence. My purpose is clear for this next fucking however long. If my life is lost in pursuit of this, so be it. That means that these people are safe and I took care of them. Okay. But I'm going to be, there's almost like the call to action of I'm going to be the one who defeats the big bad Nazi. And that, that comeuppance was met with such ferocity of excitement almost to almost like have this opportunity. Nowadays, I almost fear that a next another world war would start because the Western culture would just be absolutely abysmally destroyed. The 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 desire for things like safe spaces and leftist based culture and you know these these emasculine traits and I'm not even scared to say it because the fucking is I'm on I'm on campus yearly now weekly and I study social science psychology is a social science I'm in the, the fucking midst of it and you just watch the ever decline of what it is to be masculine, driven, disciplined, genuinely strong-willed because it's been somehow tabooed now as a negative concept. But we also then see correlating with that is a genuine social decline in testosterone levels. There is a correlation here. What, where does that come from? And how is, like, is it an, uh, a chicken or an egg situation? Are we just seeing that, you know, well, obviously, we know that we've talked about it already. Resilience, comfort, we've talked about being uncomfortable. Those things where people are now scared of being uncomfortable. They're scared of having those sort of those experiences. That has to be playing a role in the decline in the safety, the comfort that we all have now and why we're seeing like, okay, testosterone is just going down. I think it plays a very pivotal and underpinning role. I think there already has been another world war. I think we lost it. It started in 2020 and we lost it when there was no revolution. I mean, a whole bunch of people have been like, oh, you know, why wasn't there a revolution? Why didn't we stand up against this shit? And I was like, you tell me. I did. Um, so it'll be an interesting thing in the next few years to see if people muzzle themselves and stay inside their houses again or whether they actually fight back. We will find out. But you're completely right. And I think one of the most important things to understand about testosterone is that to put it very simply testosterone is a man's life force it's it's masculine essence and the way that it creates that from a scientific standpoint is it basically regulates dopamine transmission in terms of it increases your brain's capacity to produce and synthesize dopamine but it also offsets the effect of stress so when we look at what DHT does, which, you know, men voluntarily chemically castrate themselves to keep their pretty haircuts, um, what DHT does, which is what you lose when you take finasteride or dutasteride, 
is it increases two primary neurotransmitters, norepinephrine, which is like your brain's version of adrenaline, and GABA, mm -hmm. which is the inhibitory brakes of the brain, which is kind of like what alcohol and, and things like benzodiazepines work on. So when you use those things in combination, you become driven and assertive, yet cool, calm, and collected under stress. Mm -hmm. That's what masculine energy is. It's drive and momentum forward, and it's the rock that the waves crash against. So... Mm -hmm. We look at courage when we look at bravery these are not traits that testosterone just gives you and i can i can say that for certain working with many guys who inject themselves with all amounts of testosterone it does not give it to you by default but it creates the foundation for those traits to develop and it creates mm -hmm. the foundation for those traits to then manifest in someone's character and then in someone's actions and what we're seeing now and you're completely correct is that you know, men used to lie about their age so they could go and, you know, and the, the wars that were fought were horrible. People were used as cannon fodder. It was all kinds of bullshit. But what what was real was the fighting spirit of the men who mm -hmm. said, I will I will run at the gunfire to protect the women and children and the and, and my family and the country that I believe in. And that's gone. If 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 China pops up and invades Australia tomorrow, which could happen any day now. People, people will just run. Like there's a 0% chance that we'll actually mm. form a revolution. I mean, men are cutting their dicks off and lying about their gender so they can win at women's sports. It's a joke. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a, it's a twofold combination of endocrine disruption, actually threefold, endocrine disruption, a downstream effect of the post-industrial revolution diet, and also societal conditioning. And it all works mm -hmm. in, in tandem. You know, the, the, the most effective strategy from for, for war is to sneak in at night and kill all the fighting age men. They did that. They just did that over a series of decades. Yeah. So when we look at the endocrine disruption that we've been experiencing, it's, again, I like things in threes. So uh, pollutions, uh, pesticides, and actually, that's not really in threes. So pollution and pesticides and plastics, they're the threes that we're looking at in terms of what are the main drivers for endocrine disruption in men. Also in women as well. I mean, it's not like women are impervious to this. I don't know about you, but I know more women our age, like, you know, 30 and under who have endometriosis, PCOS, mm -hmm. or some kind yep. of issues with their cycle or fertility than I yep. don't. Like autoimmune conditions in women, I fucking rampant. Um, yep. So they're seeing it as well. It's happening on both sides and it's horrific. But we're getting bombarded with these endocrine disrupting chemicals from birth, both in terms of, you know, the crap that they inject into babies. I mean, people don't want to talk about that, but also wrapping everyone in plastic. Uh, and then when we look at the nutritional standpoint, we swapped out animal fat, which is an extremely important source of vitamins A, E, D, K, and cholesterol. And I know the vegans mm -hmm. don't like to hear this, but that's how the out look at this, <laughs> the, the graph of steroid Yeah, I mean, cholesterol every cell in your body is made from cholesterol yes your liver can make its own cholesterol sure but that is a fail safe to keep you alive it's not not so that you can thrive it's two different things and we swap that out with omega-6 rich industrial basically byproduct which was vegetable oils mm -hmm. and that was one of the biggest devastating things that we've seen for our health and what we're seeing now is we're seeing what happens if you do this and then they reproduce and then they reproduce. We're seeing mm -hmm. the multi-generational downstream effect of removing one of the most important foundations for endocrine function and replacing it with something that's disrupting the in inflammatory balance in the body. We, we swapped a good thing for a bad thing. And as a result, I mean, that's a huge shift. When you trade something good for something bad, 
it's not just going neutral. It's going, it's a huge, huge, huge movement to the wrong direction. So that's a factor as well. And then we're growing up in a world that is moving us away from a rite of passage. It's moving us away from taking a swing at life. And as a result, what's happening is particularly guys who grow up and, and who are obese during puberty. I mean, that's also fucking their endocrine oh, signaling yeah. and the development as well. Mm-hmm. And then what we're seeing now is a behavioral outcome of this is we're seeing guys aged between 16 and 25, not getting that peak androgenic surge. And they're mm-hmm. not having the courage and bravery and resilience to mm-hmm. go and want to take on life, go and want to be a risk taker, go, go mm-hmm. and want to make something of themselves And maybe they'll fall flat on their face, but they still want to take a swing and try. What we're getting now is people who are avoidant and afraid of just going outside. They are becoming overwhelmed by their feelings and self-diagnosing with adult onset mental health disorders and pumping themselves full of SSRIs, which are castrating them. And these are causing long-term downstream problems to their DNA, their genetics, and it's potentially going to impact their offspring in ways that we don't even understand. But I don't know about you, but I do not have a lot of hope for the young boys growing up. It looks fucking abysmal. And we are seeing we are seeing a complete de-evolution of the human race. And mm-hmm. it's because of the inputs in terms of the nutrition, the pesticides, pollution, and the plastics, and then the lack of outputs. But I would also argue that it's difficult to have the outputs that we're wanting to have when the inputs are wrong. I mean, if the mm-hmm. testosterone is low and the testosterone signaling is disrupted, life is going to feel less enjoyable and more stressful mm-hmm. than it objectively is. And because humans, I mean, going back to the car analogy, because we're not just machines, we're sentient. It's natural that we're going to lead to avoidance behaviors. It's natural that mm-hmm. we're going to lead to follow the path of least resistance because that has been baked into our biology. So we're responding to that mammalian brain. And it doesn't mean people are weak or broken or there's something wrong with them. It's just like this is, you know, it's like nature versus nurture. It's both. It's always yes. both. Everything yeah. is always both. So we're at a point now, which I think is very sad, but it's also maybe taking a turn where people are starting to realize and go, Hey, there's something wrong here. You know, I'm like, and especially for the guys who are doing everything right. They're like, I'm eating well, I'm training, I'm doing everything right. And I'm 21 years old and my dick doesn't work. And I am anxious about everything. I have social anxiety disorder. I have major depressive disorder. I have inattentive ADHD. I have all these things wrong with me and I'm doing everything right. And why do I feel like shit when I'm meant to be in my prime? And they're going to the doctor and the doctor's gaslighting them and giving them a whole bunch of nonsense. And then they're actually educating themselves. They're solving the problem because men are rational problem solvers. And they're coming up and realizing that their testosterone levels are dog shit. And that's where a lot of these guys are needing. And again, I'm not selling testosterone replacement therapy. If anything, it's important that guys do everything they can to avoid needing it. Yes. But for the guys who do everything right, and then they go, hang on, I have geriatric levels of testosterone at 21, even though I'm living like a monk going, okay, maybe it's testosterone that's going to help me here. And when they do make that change and they actually give themselves the healthy testosterone levels that they should have earned based on their lifestyle and their habits, which is the most important thing, then you zoom out five or 10 years from that and they're able to reclaim their kind of masculine birthright. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I'm most uh, passionate about in terms of what I'm getting out there is being like, you know, because I'm booked out forever is I'm writing as much as many books and doing as many lectures as I can on YouTube to go here is all the content as cheaply as possible or as free mm-hmm. as possible so that you can educate yourselves, but you can understand the importance. And this is the most critical part is that 
if if you do not live like and this is the most important part with trt and this this will break down hours and hours of research into side effects and doing it right is that if you if you want to have the optimal level of testosterone for you you have to be the guy who would be making optimal levels of testosterone if he could yes. and that's yes. the part where people fuck up they trash their bodies they live like shit they do everything wrong they have low testosterone for a reason or mm-hmm. They had low testosterone to begin with and they were driven towards shit behaviors. That's understandable. People are humans. People are people. It doesn't make you bad. But it's understanding and going, okay, well, if I want to have the testosterone levels and inject myself with the levels of 21-year-old Giga Chad and I'm binge drinking and obese and treating my body like shit, yeah, you're going to get side effects, bro, because you just put a Ferrari engine into a piece of shit suit and didn't service the rest of the car and you didn't learn how to drive. So that can be the difficult part is that we have to service the car, but we also have to teach you how to drive. And yeah. that's the part where guys do one or do the other. And in reality, you have to do both. And when it comes to interventional endocrinology, like testosterone replacement therapy is a huge commitment that no one should take lightly. But it's also something where it's like, well, if you're backed up against the wall and you need an intervention and you're doing everything else right, it can be the thing that completely transforms and changes people's lives, which is why you know I started it seven years ago and dedicated my entire life and career to it since. Yeah, and it's such a it's such a respect to uh, you know just even the way we've had conversations and the way I've had conversations with Luke um, and Primal Zone in general is you know we've had the conversations about people that actually get more rejected than accepted because we need to look at the fact that you know people and it's it's always been this case like it's a it's looked at as cheating because if you simply take test for any reason then all of a sudden you're you're cheating your body and you're cheating life for some fucking reason even though it's literally going to make you probably better if it needs to be. But it's looked at as like a fail safe. It's like a crux. It's like a, a justification for laziness. Like I can take this, you know, I've, I made this analogy and, and people laugh about it. I put a piece of content about it is when I was seeing my psychologist after my dad passed away, I tried to, I went to her because I, I didn't feel the same level of grief as my, as some of my family. I didn't feel the the grief the way that others did. I felt grief for the sense of purpose and the sense of responsibility. Um, you know, I looked at it like I had to get back to work because well, dad didn't die and fight his cancer and get sick in order for me to sit around and be depressed and miserable about it. There was something in the work he put in that I had to continue on. And so everyone was like, you know, this is just going to be a delayed breakdown. You should go talk to someone. So because of the Cancer Foundation, I managed to get a, a psychologist that dad had a line. So I spoke to her and she was like, you know, so why do you bodybuild? Why do you want to get into that? Why is that your purpose or your thing that you want? And I was explaining to her, you know, the reasons behind it. And we got talking about uh, testosterone. And she was like, if my if my son my son talked about steroids before blah blah like how would you describe it? I was like to be honest, and this is going to confuse and probably piss off a lot of people because it isn't as technical as it needs to be. Testosterone in of itself is almost identical to the super soldier serum in that it exacerbates the traits you already have and exacerbates the person you already are. You see Red Skull when he takes it, and you see Captain America, the fucking freedom loving dick swinging bald eagle of America, and you see the Red Nazi who is literally the embodiment of evil. Both take the same thing, give or take, you know, they try to replicate. Actually, they did take it. And you end up with two vastly different people. One who is the pinnacle of health and his body is basically perfection. The other has his body. The inside ends up being the external because he is so evil and corrupt. His body just completely turns red as a skull and becomes the embodiment of death. That metaphor isn't an accident. But when I get people to understand, I'm like, that was the equivalent of, of getting into testosterone. Provided you do everything right. Uh, uh, Chris Evans' character, when you look at Steve Rogers, he was a freedom-loving, hard-working, like, defend the young and the weak, fight for America. I went on list 16 times, even though I kept getting denied. 
that was the root cause of him getting his his super soldier serum. That is exactly what you're describing here is that the foundations are built first. Then you look at it and go, okay, but what is this going to give me? Is this going to be the tool that I need to get to the next level when everything else is in, in check, everything else is right. And a lot of guys I find, as you sort of alluded to, don't have that concept down pat. It's almost like I can take this and offset all the dumb shit I'm doing. I can still look jacked, though my internals now is basically pissing black because I've eroded it and ruined it. But if I take tests and I take some some master or I take some trend, I'm going to be the absolute chat of the world. I'm going to fuck everyone and basically ruin my life because they think it somehow offsets all of the bullshit that they did on the weekend, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday night, woke up Monday morning, hung over after four days of no sleep. Neurotoxins are going crazy in the brain. There's no fucking any, any sort of neural flushing or cleansing. Liver and kidney have been absolutely destroyed both injectably and fucking orally because you've been drinking and taking drugs. The reality is to get the most out of the thing that you're trying to do and have to use the least because, you know, harm reduction, least effective dose is the most effective dose is, is pick or choose. You, as, as Peterson puts it, you pick or choose your poison. And that's a non-negotiable for me and my clients is basically, if you want to go down this path, this path now is basically forbidden. We don't do this. When you work with me, if this is what, if this is the way, the way we're going, we optimize lifestyle, we optimize health, we optimize nutrition, we optimize training. Then we worry about that other stuff. But the drinking, the partying, the binging is gone because that is not going to serve where we're going or amplify anything other than negativity. Completely, completely agree. And I love the uh, I love the marble analogy. And I think that um, Jordan Peterson spoke about this as well in terms of like walking the path of the hero. And I think that it's very important that people understand that there's a reason why everyone recognizes that Marvel movies went to shit after fucking uh, Endgame is because right. they woke and they went left and it's like you don't even like watching the movies about how society is now like people people everyone knows the 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 best marvel movies were like the second went uh the second captain america movie Fact. the first Iron movie um all of these ones that really embodied like the hero's journey like mm -hmm. and what people need to understand is going okay why don't i adopt the traits of the characters that i like watching yes like that that's it's such a simple thing is going we don't even like when we put all our cultural society values now into fiction we're like no this is crap this is boring we don't like it walk the path of the hero and i think that that's a very good way to look at it and you know the, the super soldier serum is a good example because it, it it's absolutely testosterone is an amplifier i mean it's like money money is an amplifier as well mm -hmm. and what what testosterone does from a biochemical standpoint is it's is it's uh non-inhibitory it's like alcohol. You know, when people say, oh, I just said that because I was drunk. I didn't mean it. It's like, yeah, you did. Like, that's, yeah, that's you why did. you said it. Yeah. You didn't mean yeah. it. Yeah. That it drops your inhibition. Gone, baby. You meant it. Yeah, yeah. So when, when things drop inhibition, then you become more of who you are. Now, if you're a dickhead, then testosterone is going to make you more of a dickhead. And yeah. you know, sometimes people go, oh, I, I just need to be more true to myself. I'm like, maybe you don't because maybe your values suck. Like, maybe that's yeah. the worst thing you know red skull is a good example of that um you know e everyone who's done travesties in history probably thought they were doing the right thing mm -hmm. so it's important that people understand that yeah testosterone is going to be an amplifier and it's going to be uninhibitory and that doesn't necessarily always equal a net positive but it can and one thing that's interesting with testosterone when, when guys come back and they go oh now I, I keep losing my temper now i used to have good control over my temper i was like what temper you didn't have a temper now you've got a temper and you don't know how to control it doesn't yes. mean it's a bad thing if i put a ferrari if you if i get you a ferrari and you crash it does it mean that the ferrari was a bad car 
No, it just means you didn't know how to drive it because it was more powerful going around the corner. So it can be important for guys to understand that testosterone is going to amplify a lot of your traits. It's going to be uninhibitory. Mm -hmm. And that can be an adjustment period. And I look at it like puberty. I really do. I think that going on TRT, particularly for young guys who haven't had that peak androgenic surge before, it's like going through a proper puberty. It's like a metamorphosis. Oh, yeah. Puberty takes two years. So the first three to six months, especially on TRT, can be a bumpy ride because now a whole bunch of your traits, which maybe you were too sh- Like if you become obnoxious on TRT, it's not because you weren't obnoxious before. It's because you were too shy to actually yeah. say what you meant. Yeah. Um, and that can be a difficult thing for guys to learn how to, to grapple with. And that's why I think, again, going back, mindfulness is important because you learn to manage your stress response. You learn how to choose what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And then martial arts is important because you need to learn that you suck at fighting and that getting hit hurts. It's important. <laughs> yeah, because you're taking TRT doesn't mean you can fight. <laughs> oh, dude, like every, like I, I was a DJ at a club for years, like like way back when. And every single time I saw someone start a fight, they did not know how to fight. It was all, everyone who knew how yeah. to fight didn't start a fight or they would yeah. run. Um, so it, it's, it's very important that guys learn the reality check that, yeah, if you don't know how to fight, you suck at fighting and you shouldn't make fights with people. That's super important. Yeah. And it's, but I, I think it's healthy for men to have a temper. I think it's I think it's important for men to be fiery. I think it yes. is very, very important. But it's also important to learn how to regulate that temper. Like temper. Yes. You know, Peterson, again, you, know, you want to be a dangerous man, but you want to be a dangerous man who's disciplined and in control of himself. Yes. Because that's what's going to drive your capacity. That temper and that fire and that rage, that's the thing that you can channel into being Correct. a good person on your purpose doing the right thing by other people because that's energy that's life force you just have to choose what you transmute that into and that's not as esoteric and wanky as it sounds i mean you can wake up and drink a bunch of jaeger bombs and do a bunch of cocaine and jerk off and play video games all day i mean you can do that if you want to you have that choice but you can also wake up and you can choose the path of being like and this is where the the sentience comes in is going we have the most there's two things I think is very important. One is that we are the peak of human evolution and we're the dominant bloodline. So we are the furthest that human beings have come, even though we've devolved over mm-hmm. the recent years, where the mm-hmm. human beings have come this far, but we also are the dominant bloodline. So all the other bloodlines died off, famine, war, plagues, mm-hmm. neighboring tribes. I mean, our bloodline is the one that survived. So we have this capacity for to basically be the peak of human evolution, to be mother nature's apex predator, but we also have the most evolved brains out of anything in the world. So mm-hmm. that evolved brain and that genetic capacity, and you're telling me that you're too anxious and depressed to clean your room and go outside, like, fuck off. Like, yeah. fuck off. It's nonsense. Yeah. It, objectively, it's true. But it doesn't, and I think that the most important thing that the guys need to understand is going, oh, fuck, now I feel like a piece of shit. It's not that because you're a piece of shit, but it's because you need to take a step back and go, hang on, I need to actually exert my free will here. I need to hijack my default mode network. I need to hijack this pattern of behavior that I've gotten into because I as an intelligent or at least remotely intelligent, I mean, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you've at least got some attention span, at least as a remotely intelligent sentient being needs to be able to sit back and go, okay, this isn't working for me. This isn't getting me what I want. And actually taking a step back and going, is the discomfort of making a change greater than or less than the discomfort of continuing my bullshit? And a lot of the time, continuing your bullshit is going to net you much more discomfort over time. It's just that 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 discomfort is front-loaded if you make the change. So 
that that can be why our, our habits perpetuate negatively but it's also going hang on if i objectively look at this and logically look at this i just need to actually force change and i need to fake it till i make it i need to hijack this bullshit series of patterns of behavior and make a change mm -hmm. because i have the capacity to do that and if you don't have the capacity to do that you need to sit down and learn how to meditate because the first thing you need to do the overarching skill for all of this is you need to be able to harness the power of your mind and your attention to do what you actually want to do and yes otherwise you're just leaf in the wind and if you if you if you follow this breeze of society you're going to be miserable you're going to be sick you're going to be depressed you're going to be obese you're going to be fucked because that's where that's where that wind is lead, leading you and that's a daunting thing that's a difficult thing but every single person is capable of that and i mean scroll down my instagram feed far enough you'll see that i was someone who didn't think i would end up here i mean it's yeah. a, a lot of people particularly people who who command respect or who, who are worthy of respect, they have a story of overcoming adversity. So that's a, a lot of the, I think that's the common denominator of men who are worthy of respect is they've overcome adversity. And then they're now sharing their story of being like, well, this yes. is what I got as a result of that. And you can overcome the adversity of your life as well. It's It's probably not that hard if you just break it down into small series of steps or if you can reverse engineer it into habits. And again, I'm just quoting people because other people say smarter things than me. So Wes Watson says to be the man that you needed when you needed him. I think yes. that's a good way to look at it. That's if a you win, you coach. Yeah, if, if you're like, oh, I didn't have a strong father figure, I don't have a positive male role, role model, be that guy for yourself. Problem solved. Next. Um, and the other one that he says is be the man that you admire in every way and give that man to the world. And I think that that is such a powerful uh, barometer for being like, okay, like what's my true north? Like what, what do I need to do yeah. here? It's going, okay, I'm going to be someone who I admire and who I respect and who I am proud to be. And I always tell guys, I'm like, you need to be proud of yourself. And they're like, oh, well, I'm not really proud of anything. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I wouldn't be either. So you need to do something that you should actually be yes. proud of. And I think the most important thing to do that is to start to actually take care of yourself the way that you would take care of someone that you love. Because yep. so many of us, particularly as men, we have this bullshit programming of like, I want to be a martyr. And it's like, you, it's it's not going to help. It's actually not going to help anyone. You don't need to self-sacrifice. You need to do it all. And yep. if you can embody and, and be the person who is worthy of respect, and if you can do things that you're actually proud of in yourself, mm -hmm. that radiates out. Because external, external validation, external gratification, that's for chicks dudes internal validation comes from within it comes from your capacity it comes from what you've done mm -hmm. and it comes from what you can do so you need to build a track record of shit that you're proud of and then that's the first step if you're proud and you respect yourself then you can continue that momentum forward and the way that it starts is that the diet actually starts tomorrow you actually wake up tomorrow and yeah. don't hit snooze it's not actually that hard it's just breaking habits and one of the things that I think, again, going back to the martial arts, I know I sound like a broken record. I am the worst Muay Thai fighter of all time, but I still keep going back because it's so important for me to do that every week so that all the other challenges I have in life seem far smaller. I mean, I can't balance very well because my brain's fucked. I have like the tightest hips and the most fucked back. At one point, I was like 120 kilos, but I'd still rock up and do Muay Thai and I would almost vomit every session. I'd usually have to tap out at some point. Because nothing is that hard over the course of my week. So as a result, it's not hard to get up at 4.30 to do burpees in the morning. It's not mm -hmm. that hard to sit down and clear through all the emails that I don't want to do. It's not that hard to do 
all these little things that are uncomfortable because I've done something so much harder every week. But I also identify as the guy who chooses to go and do hard shit that he doesn't have to do for the sake of doing it. And that narrative is so beneficial to me because I respect that in other people and I respect it in myself. Yeah. Like, again, we could just basically do a podcast on quoting Peterson, but one of the the best statements that he's ever made, and this goes to like, literally to most of the men that will be listening to this, to the clients that we have, to the people that even that come from Primal Zone, that come from the, all the, the different networks people engage with us, is the solution or the answer often lies in the place that you least want to look and the work that you're not doing. If, if, if you just take that away from this conversation, before you get to TRT, before you get to depression, before you get to the self-diagnosed uh, psycho psychological behavioral disorders that you apparently have, before you get to those things, are you doing the work that you should be doing? Or are you avoiding the work that you know you should be doing? And therefore, the answer doesn't lie in TRT and chemicals. The answer lie in the very thing that you're avoiding doing. And therefore, you've got this deficiency you've created psychologically with this narrative that you've tied to being absent of a, of a certain thing. If you simply start tomorrow doing the thing that you're avoiding doing, the likelihood is that things start to progress and spiral upwards. And that, that will take you to some form of direction in a positive net outcome that is better than where you are right now. Because the person you are right now is avoiding the thing. The person that you are trying to become, that person doesn't avoid those things, doesn't avoid the hard work. Before, like To get TRT to a healthy position first, before we look at exogenous supplementation, that person's doing the work. As you said, be the person who has high-performing levels of testosterone. If you want to be a successful business owner, be the person who is doing the high-performance level of business operations. If you're someone with a great physique who wants to be a bodybuilder, if you want to be a high-performing athlete, do the things including the blood work, including the health checks, including the physiological stuff, including the psychological stuff that is that is acting like that person that has those things in check. Because the very likelihood is that if you are someone who's in a depressed slump, who is in absence of testosterone, who has no psychological or tangible goals or physical things that you're trying to work towards, the chances are that the solutions to all those problems lay in just doing the thing that you are avoiding or scared of doing. I couldn't agree more. And... I, I've actually got a full lecture on YouTube. It's the Your Brain on Testosterone and the War on Masculinity Part 2, where it, and it's speaking directly to the patient. It's very non-sciencey. It's exactly this topic. And I really believe that there are a bunch of people out there who are the minority who genuinely don't know what they're doing wrong. Like genuinely don't know shit about nutrition. They're eating the mm -hmm. standard Australian or American diet. They're doing their 30 minutes of physical activity every day. They're taking their antidepressants that the doctor told them to take. Yeah. And that sucks. And I, I really feel for those people. Um, and there's a bunch of those people. But if you're listening to this podcast and you've, I mean, I'm assuming that this isn't the first podcast that the listeners are listening to in this field. If it is, then hello. But yeah. I'm you're assuming that people who, <laughs> welcome and good day. Yeah. I'm sorry for the offense, but. <laughs> for everyone else who's made it this far i'm assuming this is not your first foray into physical and mental health and i and this whole podcast is on this theme of stop doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing and then start doing the things you know you should mm -hmm. be doing and if mm -hmm. you do that consistently if you are the person who has not done the things that they know they shouldn't be doing and done the things they know they should be doing for a prolonged period of time for years you will be you you will probably solve the majority of your problems. And if you don't solve the majority of your problems doing that, then you look into external things like testosterone and interventions yeah. and so forth. But when in like and I that whole lecture is literally a PowerPoint presentation of being these are the things that people shouldn't be doing that you're doing, and these are the things that you should be doing that you're not doing. I break them all down. And the 
it, it, when in doubt, if you're like, I'm not watching this guy talk for an hour, fuck that, I can't be bothered. If, if, if you're fortunate enough that your grandma's still alive, call her. Ask her what, what you should be doing and listen to her advice. It's going to be eat less processed food, eat more home-cooked food, go outside more, stop playing video games, all that kind of stuff. All the shit that your grandma told you to do, just do that. that yeah. That's yeah. simple. And that will probably solve most of it. But you know, when I was speaking to a client this morning, and, and this is one of the, the main themes of that lecture, and this is just from experience. I mean, this is from working with thousands of guys on their TRT over the last few years. Drugs, alcohol, and junk mm-hmm. food are the main things that people are doing that they shouldn't be doing, particularly alcohol. Casual mm-hmm. alcoholism is something that people don't like to look at. And then the things that people aren't doing is positive mental health habits, like actually working on their mental health, like saying oh i've got all these mental health problems as being like oh my my muscles are small it's like well go to the fucking gym what are you doing about it if your mental health is bad it's like what are you like what podcasts are you listening to what mindfulness practices are you doing Mm -hmm. are you practicing things like doing cardio and sauna and ice baths things that actually push the resiliency and actually challenge yourself or are you just drinking and hanging out with a bunch of degenerates and ruining your fucking life yeah that's gonna feel shit because you're watching yourself in real time fucking up your life and then you can't keep your shit together while you do it yeah that's like watching yourself crash the car and not be able to move the steering wheel yeah that's fucked but a lot of the time it's just a matter of stop poisoning yourself and start moving and do that consistently over time and don't bitch out and if that doesn't solve the issue then that's when again you look at things like exogenous hormones because some people's systems are broken from the start yes. as a result you know downstream of all the stuff that we talked about before and i fell into that category and that was a really important point for me to understand but that that is such a, a core understanding is a lot of people know exactly what they're fucking up and they're watching themselves do it yeah. and they feel powerless to change it and that's a horrible experience to have that's a horrible lens to be looking at life through that fucking sucks but you can change it and it's not that hard. It just takes work and it takes, but I, I think it also, it, it does take a, it does take a catalyst for a lot of people. It does take a moment. It does take some yeah. degree of rock bottom or a pseudo rock bottom to hit, to go, oh fuck. Okay. I screwed that up. Like um, Alex Hormozzi, again, he, he said on a podcast the other day, he's like, uh, a lot, I can't remember how I, I'm going to butcher this, but he was saying like a lot of the things that you want in life are on the other side of the conversations that you don't want to have. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's very true. Like that can mm-hmm. be very true. But I also think that a lot of the things that you want and the, the things that you want to be are on the other side of habits that you can't be bothered doing. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's it. Like I spent so long with a stiff locked up back and I still didn't practice daily mobility. And for the life of me, I don't know why I didn't do it other than I was being lazy and I was looking for a shortcut. And eventually it just got to a point. It's kind of like when people wake up one day and they hung over and they're like, Oh, I'm never drinking again. And then you actually stop drinking. That's actually like, the time you have to get, Yeah. 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 You, you just, you, you know, and it's, it's like, guys, you know, you have to touch the stove a few times to realize it's hot yeah. before you stop touching. That's, That's just thing. the male thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oh, the paint's wet. Now I want to touch it. Like, yeah. um, it's, it's just a dude thing, but it's, it's okay to, to, to do that as long as you actually, when you do go, oh, okay, now this time I'm not drinking again. Cool. Like, there was a point like a year ago where I was like, Fuck, if I'd done daily mobility practices for the last year, I wouldn't be in pain anymore. And that was a yeah. really uncomfortable point to look at, to be like, I sh- one, I should have known better. And two, I know what the solution would be, but it's not something that I can achieve overnight because I need to chronically do this over time. And 
at that point I stuck with it. And I do, I do my stretching and mobility work every single day, often twice a day, because I know that now if I don't do it, I'm I'm going to regress and I'm going to lose the progress I made and I'm going to go back to how I felt before. But I, I needed enough rock bottom points to actually go, ah, okay, this is the solution. But it was understanding that I needed to be the guy who's who adopted positive daily habits a while ago. And that means yes. I need to start adopting them now. And yes. that's my, my biggest takeaway from this is being like what the person that you want to be is on the other side of consistently doing the habits that you're not doing over time. And the the biohacks and the shortcuts and the entitlement mentality that if you change your diet tomorrow, if you've been eating like shit for 30 years, and then if you eat a good diet you're going to feel amazing. Yeah, it's like, that's not how it fucking works. Nope. And people will sell you shortcuts. People will, yes. they'll promote whatever the fuck they have a 20% affiliate code to tell you that this will fast track your results. It won't. It's just, it it's won't. work over time. It's always, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's pretty much like the the best point to just end, wrap up the conversation because we'll end up keep going for fucking ever, really. And it'll probably be a five-part series. Um, but I, I, had, I had some questions. I mean, we've answered so many. One of the questions were going to be like, what is a, a way that you would suggest uh, to wrap up optimizing your, your, your hormones? But I mean, just fucking listen to this three times and you'll get exactly what to do. What do you think is the the number one problem that people have to optimizing their hormones. Let's say hormone, let's, let's actually narrow it down because that's a big term. Let's narrow it down to testosterone. What is the number one problem contributing? I know you said, yeah, there's like three, four, five, and you had a couple of, a couple of variations there. What do you think uh, as a final few questions is the the number one or the biggest factor contributing to low testosterone or the absence of testosterone? I'll answer on all hormones because I think the the hormone disruption thing is multifactorial. But yeah, if we focus primarily on testosterone, I I think that it's the the endocrine disruption externally, but people can't really do that much about that. I mean, you can get natural shower products and you can stop drinking out of plastic bottles and you, you can do some stuff to mitigate the environment that we're in, but you don't have a time machine. You can't go back and do that from when you were a baby. So I don't like focusing on that stuff because that's all stuff that's outside of people's control. So in terms of the stuff that's within people's control, that is the biggest factor that's leading to them fucking up their hormones and fucking up their health, if I had to say number one, outside of just lifestyles cheating, right? It's like if someone's like, "Well, what's the one? Uh, what's the one exercise that you would do if you could only pick one exercise?" It's like, oh, like a like a clean and press. It's like, well, that's multiple movements at once. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's it's lifestyle. But if if I had to put it down to one thing, it's probably nutrition followed by movement. Um, yep. they, they would be the two biggest things. And then nutrition movement, people talk about sleep a lot. I think that that's, that's a factor too, but I think that the reason why people sleep like shit is downstream from lifestyle. I think that yes, I, agreed. I, I've met very few, I've met very few tradies with insomnia, very few. Um, yes. I've met far more people with injuries from sitting at a fucking desk and they have laying bricks. Um, yep. and it's not that actually I meet the most people with injuries from doing fucking jujitsu, but, um, when it comes to injuries and when it comes to issues with with overall health, it's it's lifestyle and it, it's it's what you're doing for every hour that you're awake multiplied. People focus on oh I'm going to do 
you know, an hour of this every week. And I'm going to, you know, take milligrams of this supplement every day. It's like, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Yeah, and what yeah, are you yeah. eating for the kilograms of food that you're putting into your body over the course of the week? That's the thing that people are fucking up. But I think nutrition's the biggest factor. Because if we go back to the health of the car, or if the car keeps falling apart, it's like, well, it's either you're driving it like shit, that's often a factor, but it's also the fuel you're putting in the car. What, what fuel are you putting through the engine? So people are putting bullshit inflammatory foods into the body, hyper-processed garbage, which is, you know, people will say, oh, processed food isn't bad for you if, if you eat it in the right, you know, macros and calories and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we'll find out when there's more data on it down, downstream, but I don't want to be the uh, the science experiment that's going to fuck around and find out. So I think that if people can focus on putting good quality nutrition into their body as a mm -hmm. foundation, that will inevitably mean that they have to also take out the shit food and I yes. think that that's one of the biggest trades that people can do is focusing on nutrition. Agreed. And I am not a nutrition expert at all. And all, all the all the vegan people will whinge and, and complain about this, but eat more meat, like eat more red meat. If we if yes. we make it super simple, eat more red meat, more egg yolks, um, good quality like organic dairy if you can access it and you can digest it well. But eat more meat and eat less stuff that isn't meat that comes out of packets. Um, that's simple um, because. What, what's very interesting when you look at the composition of red meat and when you look at the main micronutrients that humans are deficient in, oh, it's the same thing. What are, what are most people deficient in? Iron, well, for chicks, iron, zinc. Guys take creatine, low amounts of amino acids to actually promote muscle protein synthesis and neurotransmitter function, potassium. All of these things that are present in red meat, people are not eating enough of. So eating more meat, particularly red meat. And if you're listening to this in Australia, I mean, I live in Eastern Europe where red meat's very hard to come by. It's mainly pork, chicken, and fish. If you're in Australia and you're not eating an abundance of good quality red meat, you are, and you're not going out in the sun, you are wasting two of the biggest opportunities to leverage yeah. your health. So nutrition is a factor and then movement's the second one. And I think that, you know, the, the patient population or the client population listening to this is probably biased in favor of doing enough movement, but people are not moving enough, particularly with this yeah. Um, sedentary lifestyle that people have from spending too much time indoors since COVID. Like people need to move more. Like one thing I tell all my clients is like, if you have a sedentary job, one, download Audible, or if you don't want to pay fucking 15 bucks a month, then find some podcasts that you like and go on walks every day, listening for yeah. something to get your 10,000 steps in. And the other thing I tell people to do is get some form of home fitness equipment. Like I like people to have like, a, I travel with a TRX and like the thin rogue resistance bands. And yeah. when I'm at home, I've also got like a 16 kilo kettlebell and I've got like some five kilo and some 10 kilo dumbbells. And like, I'll just dick around a little bit with some weights and, and some resistance bands and some TRX to mobility a few times a day between calls in addition to training. Um, yeah. Because that's the most important thing that guys are not getting is that they're staying indoors all the time. And they're like, oh, well, I'm still going to the gym, you know, four times a week. And I'm like, yeah. And then you're sed literally sedentary for the rest yeah. of the week. It's like that yeah. is not enough. You need to move more. You need to take your body through full ranges of motion every day, multiple times a day to actually have the experience of being an alive human being. So eat more meat and move more. Those are, you know, to, to ruin the question and give two answers for it. <laughs> those, in combination, those in combination extrapolated out over time. That's the key. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, I was going to actually finish off with one book you'd recommend, but I'm going to actually combine it with another question that we're going to finish off with, which is tell us about the book that you have released and why is the book you would recommend to read? <laughs>
Yeah, well, I mean, I'd be biased to say to read my book, but I think there are better books than my book for people to read in general. Um, there's there's a few books that I've read that have been very impactful on my life. And I'm sure they're going to be the same cliche books, but there's a few podcasts I've listened to that have also been very impactful or just as impactful. So I'll, I'll rattle off all of them. And uh, there's probably a few more that are on the last slide of my first War on Masculinity lecture where they're all detailed out specifically. But mm-hmm. the the book that changed, there was a, a few books that changed my life. One was uh, Jocko Willink's book. Um, I think it's Extreme Ownership. Yeah, sure, book right, title. Yeah. The one one with Leif Babin, yeah, yes. where they narrate yeah. it on Audible, yeah. yeah. Um, that book was very empowering for me in terms of starting the initial internal dialogue in terms of taking full responsibility for everything that was in my life. And that's mm-hmm. been a, I think that's such a powerful core philosophy to have in terms of being like, yeah, the world's fucked. Yeah, a whole bunch of this stuff's fucked. Yeah, all of this shit is absolutely whack. But how you respond to it and what your circumstances are. If you take control and take ownership of things, then you will inevitably be able to make change. And it's important to understand that you still have to play the ball where it lands. So you can mm-hmm. sit and whinge about how the ball's landed in a pile of dog shit, but you still have to pick it up and play it because that's just life. So that was a very powerful book for me to read. Um, the the David Goggins Can't Hurt Me book was, was very powerful. When I did, uh, mm-hmm. when I was doing rehab with my head injury, his first podcast with Rogan, which was essentially like a summary of that book, because the book hadn't come out yet. I just listened to that on repeat. I probably listened to it a hundred times. Um, yep. Because I found that story to be particularly inspiring because I could identify very strongly with like, oh yeah, you hear all these stories of people who do this or do that or overcome adversity. And I I never, ever, 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 ever thought I would be someone who could do that. And hearing his story in terms of being like, well, he was even more fucked and and off track than the situation I was in. And then he did things that were absolutely disturbing that a human being can even do. Um, Correct. That that to me was very empowering because I was like, well, if he could do that, then why can't I do this? And that, that was very helpful for me. And another one that I really like is the uh, the Way of the Superior Man by David Dieta, and mm-hmm. I would layer that with The Rational Male by Rollo Tomasi. I think those are two books that are important that men read because they give two different sides of the equation. And also, I'm going to throw in another one: um, The Tactical Guide to Women by Sean T. Smith. I think those three books are very important in terms of understanding male and female polarity, intersexual dynamics but with the outcome focused towards having positive, healthy relationships with women. So I'd read those three like in tandem. It. And in terms of podcasts, the there's a, there's a recent podcast, uh, a modern wisdom podcast with Chris, is it Wil- Williamson, Wilkinson? And oh, Alex Chris Wilkinson. Yeah, yep, yep. The, the, the most recent one they did where they're in person, um, that podcast is unreal. Um, yep. The amount, that's like, that, that, that's like a book summarized i mean they could write a book on that but that's like a book summarized it's an amazing amazing podcast highly recommend everyone listens to that and um the first podcast wes watson did with uh flex lewis that's a really good podcast on mm-hmm. habits and and that kind of mindset as well i think that's worth listening to and yeah i'd probably leave it at that i think that's a, that's a good summary of content that guys can listen to but it's also a oh and I, i'd also I also really enjoy both of uh, Andrew Tate's podcast with, I'm not sure what his name is, but he's like a psychologist. Um, he gets interviewed by a psychologist uh, twice. Um, Ooh, who's both that? the first one and the second one are phenomenal. So if you just search Andrew Tate's psychologist, it'll, it'll come up. Um, 
they are phenomenal. And in the second one, he actually references that a lot of people say that their first interview was his best interview ever. And, and I really agree because it's breaking down a lot of these perspectives and philosophies that he has and having them challenged, um, but also finding that they essentially hold up from, from scrutiny. So I think that all of that stuff together, if you know, th that would be probably 20, 30 hours of content all up. And I think that that would be a, a fantastic thing for guys to go on walks to and, and mm -hmm. listen to and contemplate and, you know, particularly going on walks outside and listening to those things. I like audiobooks. I don't like sitting and reading. I do audiobooks. Yeah, I think if you could, I think if you got to the end of all that content, you would have a very different perspective and also accountability towards yourself. Yes. And I think that's that's again, that's another key is holding yourself accountable. And um in terms of my books, um, I've written two books specifically on TRT. So for anyone who wants to hear more about the discourse of this conversation i check out my youtube videos the the war and masculinity mm -hmm. series i've done but for anyone who's wanting to get into trt and the nitty-gritty of it i've basically put all my intellectual property all my experience everything i could possibly understand about trt and i've written instruction manuals that were kind of like the instruction manuals that came with video games when i was a kid like nintendo 64 video games yeah. that would give you like the, the controls and the summary and like that kind yeah. of stuff that's what these books are. That they're the they're the instruction manual that should come with TRT. So it's not like a what is TRT. It's more a how do you actually do it, and yeah. it's laid out to kind of educate and empower guys to wrap your head around it to know. Okay, here's an actual action plan that I can follow to actually get this dialed in. I charge twenty nine Australian dollars for them, so they're super cheap. Cheap and chips. The second one, yeah, yeah, and you know, they, they, I I could charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for them which other people in the space do, but I want this content to be accessible for everyone. Yeah. And the second book that I've just put out is Beyond TRT, and that's for troubleshooting. So this is pregnenolone, DHEA, thyroid, HCG, fertility, and estrogen management, which are like mm -hmm. the, the, the pitfalls, the areas that have a lot of myths discussed online. And this is basically all my in-the-trenches experience in terms of being like, this is how you wrap your head around these concepts. This is what you need to know, but it's written for people with no scientific background. It's written Good. basically for my clients, for guys who are like, hey, I'm a, I'm a tradie. I'm an office worker. I work in IT. I've just started TRT. All this stuff's bamboozling and confusing the fuck out of me. Cool. Read these and you'll have everything you need to know. So they're available on my website, advancedfundamentalhealth.com. And uh, if you'd like to work with me, I am booked out until the middle of the year, but you can put an inquiry on my website uh, to get notifications for upcoming appointments uh, if anyone would like coaching with me. Otherwise, I also do have uh, my own clinic, which was mentioned before, which is Primal Zone, which is an Australian mm -hmm. TRT clinic. Uh, and people can contact them directly to work with uh, me and the team on doing TRT properly. Man, I love it. Um, you know, I've absolutely taken up a shit ton of your time and I appreciate your brain and wisdom and just the the mutual philosophy and discourse here because I think as we both would agree, conversations like this need to fucking happen for men and just generally for society. So I absolutely appreciate your time on this, what is Monday morning for you. Um, we will leave all links, details and, and uh contact locations and whatnot socials in the description below uh that's a brooklyn job not my job because i don't know how to do that shit but she will take care of it that's her domain uh but mate again i appreciate the chat and i look forward to more conversations with us over many years to come no doubt given our both shared interest in these realms absolutely man thank you so much for having me and for everyone who's listening thank you for your attention and, and hope you found it valuable cheers mate